are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. A good Monday show for you. We're going to go over the picks this past weekend in college and pro. An awful day in college. Good day in pro. We're going to talk about college football. And this season is about as wide open as I can remember in recent memory. We're going to talk about Colorado again. We are also going to talk about some NFL stuff that happened yesterday. Major League Baseball, the playoffs are set. And I've got a take on the Rangers, the Texas Rangers, that is, that I don't know if anybody's going to be talking about it today. And, you know, I'm recording this on Sunday night, so nobody in Dallas is talking about Texas Ranger baseball until this morning by the time this thing is already up. So hopefully I'll get the first take out there of what I think happened this past weekend. And then maybe I'll get to some Ryder Cup stuff. We'll get to all that momentarily. All right, let's just start off with the picks. Just an awful, awful day on Saturday, 1-8-1. And, And you know what the crazy thing is? What was one of the last things I said to you on Friday? I said, I feel really good about this weekend. (laughs) And I went 1-8-1. and I mean, it happens, but those are the things you have to avoid. Now I'm barely over 500. I'm still over 500 in college. I'm 23, 20, and 3 overall. So, but best bet on Florida, they just laid an egg. Um, I think Billy Napier is now in over his head at Florida. They're probably a four or five loss team this year. They are not the Florida. Um, very surprising uh, that they gave up that many yards on the ground to Ray Davis. Uh, I did, you know, the only win I had, I was one, eight and one. The only one I had was by a half a point, Virginia getting three and a half. Now, if you put it in Sunday, they were getting five, but still covered either way. They were winning the whole game. They should have won the game outright, but they didn't. Uh, they lost by three, getting three and a half, but, uh, SMU minus 23 and a half, one by 18 Penn state under 46 and a half. That was what? 54 points that went over. Um, Georgia was never covering uh, against Auburn. Just a a very lackluster effort by the number one team in the nation who has still not covered a game all year. I was on the wrong I was on the wrong top three team to bet this weekend. I should have taken Michigan because they hadn't covered a game all year and they blew Nebraska's doors off. All my dogs, none of them won and none of them covered. Syracuse was close, had a chance, ended up losing by seventeen. Houston was close in the first half. They were only down seven at half, never scored in the second half. Arkansas was somewhat close, lost by 12, getting six and a half. And Louisiana, plus 11, pushed. So 0-3-1 in my dog plays. And then the one that really bothered me was my three-teamer because I had two of the two of the games in my three-team 10-point teaser were Air Force down to a pick. They won by 39. And Arkansas, plus the 16 and a half, they lost by 12. If I would have taken any other play that I gave you on Saturday outside of Florida for that third team, it would have covered. SMU would have covered a 10-point tease. Penn State under would have covered a 10-point tease. Virginia would have covered a 10-point tease. Georgia would have covered a 10-point tease. Syracuse would have pushed a 10-point tease. And Louisiana Lafayette would have covered a 10-point tease as well. Actually, Houston would have lost. But that's what I mean. I had six other choices and any other game in college football. Like, why... I was so hell-bent that if Florida was going to lose, at least it would be close, and it really wasn't close. I mean, they fell behind big early and never got 
uh, close again. So just a bad read on my part. In the NFL, I went 3-1, and one, and actually, let me say this. I'm 3-1 and one as I record this, and I have a three-team teaser. I'm recording this at halftime of the Chiefs game. And Cleveland under 50 went way under. Can, uh, Niners minus four way covered that by, you know, 15 or something like that. And the Chiefs just need to win the game. Now, it's it's fairly close. It's 20-12 to 12 at halftime, but I'm... Um, I say this, if the Chiefs win, I, I consider myself 4-1. and one. And the reason I consider myself 4-1 and one is because the best bet was on Cleveland minus three. Obviously, I gave that out Friday. It was announced before the game that um, Deshaun Watson was out and wasn't playing. There was no chance in hell I would ever give a best bet out to a rookie quarterback who was drafted in the fourth or fifth round in Dorian Thompson-Robinson. I think he'll be a decent NFL quarterback someday, maybe a solid backup, but his first NFL start, I never would have put a best bet on that. And I don't think if any of you waited to put your best bet in till Sunday or you were hearing Deshaun was out, because it wasn't until Friday afternoon that we had heard Deshaun was questionable. Just unfortunate. But I don't consider I consider that a no play. I'm just basically it was I never because I never played it, you know. So um, and then New Orleans was my only loss. I had Buffalo as a winner, you know. I went against myself at the beginning of the week, and I was right all along. Like Miami getting 70 points last week was probably the worst thing that could have happened to them because everybody was on them. And they were never close, really. I mean, after 14-14, they never got within seven. Uh, when Buffalo went up 21-14, Miami never got within seven of them the rest of the game. And the commanders were basically covering the whole game against the Eagles. So that was a solid pick at uh, for a W. And then I won my underdog play, uh, the Tennessee Titans, 27-3 over the Bengals, who are really, really looking awful, awful this year. So 3-1 and one on my underdog plays for the year. I'm 9-4 and four on my regular picks, still 1-2 and two on my best bets. And if Kansas City does cover, just wins the game against the Jets, um, by the time you listen to this, you'll know if they won or not. I'll be uh, two and two on my uh, on my three team ten point teases or three and two on my three team ten point teases in the NFL. But wish I could have had a better weekend for sure. So in college football, I would say I, this is the first time I can remember in a long time that the national championship and who's going to make the playoff is absolutely up for grabs. You know, we went over the whole Pac-12 thing last week, and there are so many good teams in the Pac-12, but they're all playing each other. Outside of Washington State only has to play two of the other four top-ranked teams in the Pac-12. So I, I, does Washington State get there? I'm not sure. But I think a couple things have been established. Number one, once again, Lincoln Riley cannot field a defense. USC is going to win some games for sure. 38-35, 42-38, 45-42. But there is no way they are going to run the table and beat Washington State, Oregon, Washington, and Utah this year. It's just not going to happen. Their defense is not good enough. You have to play defense at some point and have to get a stop. Colorado did whatever they wanted, and Colorado was missing their best player on offense and defense in Travis Hunter. I just, I have no faith in any Lincoln Riley coach team to play defense when it matters. So now here's the thing. If you're USC and you drop one of them, that's fine. 
because USC could drop one of them and still win the Pac-12 championship, and I guarantee they'd make the playoff as a one-loss Pac-12 champion. I just don't know if they can do that. They're just their defense isn't good enough. Oregon, are they gonna? It's just Oregon, Washington, Washington State, and Utah, and UCLA because UCLA is still pretty good. SC's got all five of those. Are they going to go four and one? They, the worst they can go is four and one. And then in the Pac-12 championship, they're going to have a rematch with one of those teams. So, But I could say that for any of those teams. I could say that for Washington State, Oregon, Washington, and Utah in that they have to run the table and beat all the other teams at worst lose one and then going to have to maybe beat a, that team twice when they get to the Pac-12 championship. So it's we all know that it's never the college football playoff has never taken a two-loss team. So you got to figure if the Pac-12 champion is going to win the Pac-12, they can't have more than one loss or the good chance they're not getting in. This is barring anything crazy happening in other conferences. Because I don't know if you've noticed this this year, but the SEC is way down. Way down. This is one of the poorest SECs we've ever had. Good teams, but kind of like, I mean, Alabama is looking good now at 4-1. and one. They've looked like they might have righted the ship. Georgia is just, I'm sorry, you got to play the statistics here. Georgia is not going to win a third national championship. They might get to the playoff, but I don't think they're good enough to win a third national championship. I'm not impressed with Carson Beck at all, and they'll get there maybe, but even if they get there, they're going to get beat. Michigan and Ohio State are going to play in the final game of the year in the Big Ten, and that's going to determine who plays, basically, who gets to the big, uh, who gets to the college football playoff from the Big Ten. I think Florida has a, uh, Florida State has a good chance to run the table and get in as an ACC representative, and then you've got someone from the SEC, either Alabama or Georgia, and then your fourth team could it be Texas? You get a one-loss Texas out of the Big 12 versus a one-loss Pac-12 team. There are so many possibilities that that's why I said kind of I would have loved. I mean, obviously we can't change it right now, but wouldn't this year have been great for the 12-team playoff? Yes, it starts next year, but, man, this year you would have had some great. I mean, there are definitely, I think, eight to ten teams that could conceivably win the national championship as long as they got there. But. When five of your spots are going to conference champions, or six of your spots going to conference champions in the in the playoff, and then six at larges, I mean, it's very possible if you had the twelve team playoff this year with the same format, six conference champions plus six at large teams, it's very possible that three of those at large teams would be from the Pac twelve. I mean, it's very very conceivable. So, man, the the possibilities would have been endless this year. What a great college football playoff it would have been this year with 12 teams. It still might be great with four teams, but with the Pac-12 having five teams ranked in the top 20, I would have loved to have seen the 12-team playoff this year. Too bad we can't. And one thing I did want to mention, I said at the beginning of the year, and I'll say it again, especially after the first few games when Colorado started 3-0, and I still think Colorado is going to beat one of the big boys this year. I think they're they, – they, only lost by a touchdown to USC. I think they could give a Washington, Washington State, or Utah 
uh, a game, and if not, win one. I just don't think they're going to lose to every good team they play. And let's face it, they've got Stanford and Cal the next two weeks. They should beat both of them and beat both of them pretty handily. Colorado is going to be 5-2 and two after seven games, and then the gauntlet comes, and the real tough games come. So I just keep it in mind. I do think they're going to beat, and I'll even throw UCLA in that. I think they play UCLA as well. I still think Colorado is going to beat one of the big boys and give them a loss. And I think it just goes to show what what a great job that Dion has done. Yes, the Oregon game last week, total annihilation, 42-6. to six. They didn't even look like they belonged on the field. And maybe that brought them back down to earth a little bit because they played their asses off against USC. They fell behind 21 nothing, and I'm sure everybody watching at home was like, all right, the Colorado, the luster is off the Colorado team now. Can we stop talking about them and look at what they did? So kudos to them for coming back and playing hard in that game. All right, let's get to the NFL and talk about some things that happened there. Um, did you realize that C.J. Stroud has started his – NFL career with four straight 300-yard games. He's 2-2. Two and two. He's thrown for over 300 in every game. Only Cam Newton has thrown for more yards in their first four games in NFL history than him. Also, we've got some other things to talk about when it comes to C.J. Stroud and Puka Nakua because Puka, glad I picked him up off waivers since <laughs> certainly nobody drafted him in any fantasy draft, but C.J. Stroud... And the funny thing is, I talked about this in the offseason, and I talked about this going into this season. It's still early. He's four games into his career. Maybe some, maybe they'll figure him out at some point. But remember what I said when Houston drafted him. I said, look, it's got to be on people's minds that six straight quarterbacks coming out of Ohio State that were dominant at Ohio State in college, putting up stupid numbers, even some of them winning the Heisman Trophy, have come to the NFL and every single one of them flamed out. So I was like, that's got to be on a GM's mind. What makes C.J. Stroud different? I mean, you could say now, it's it's very easy right now to say, oh, well, you were dead wrong. Well, nobody was like, this is going to be the guy because look at what he did in college, Steve. Yeah, well, look at what Justin Fields did in college, and he stinks in the NFL. Justin Fields threw 40 touchdowns and had one interception during one regular season that he quarterbacked Ohio State. So – Let's not – you can't really do much better than that outside of 41 or more touchdowns and one less interception and having zero. So looking back on it, you know, we, we didn't know. We didn't know how good C.J. Stroud was going to be. I don't think anyone expected him to be this good. Four straight 300-yard games to start this, to start his uh, career. But how about Puka Nakua, <laughs> this receiver for the Rams out of BYU? I don't know if you saw these stats, but this is pretty crazy. Through four games, Pukunakua has 39 receptions. That surpassed Anquan Bolden and his 30 receptions in 2003 for the most receptions ever by a player in his first four NFL games. Nakua also surpassed Reggie Bush, who had 34 receptions in 2006 for the most receptions by a player in his first five NFL games. So Puka has outdone a wide receiver by nine and a running back by five who played one extra game. He also has 501 receiving yards, which is 37 more than Anquan Bolden did in 2003 for the most receiving yards ever by a player in their first four NFL games. Not to mention, catches his first touchdown pass in overtime as the Rams 
beat the Colts, and now the Rams move to 3-1 and one on the season, and they're probably the surprise team in the NFL, maybe outside of the Tampa Bay Bucks. So, Puka Nakua, pick him up in your fantasy if you don't have him already, because, you know, you know the interesting thing is, in my fantasy draft, I basically went all out for three receivers. We're a PPR league, so I just said, I'm going all out for three receivers. I don't care about my running backs. And it has shown because I'm doing terrible and my running backs stink. But I went out and got Justin Jefferson, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Cooper Cup. Well, after week one, I got Puka, picked him up off waivers. And so my three receivers every week are Puka Nakua, Amon Ross St. Brown, and J.J., and they've delivered every single week for me. Problem is, the rest of my the rest of my team stinks, so I'm getting beat every week. Um, however, when Cooper comes back, now I've got four receivers and only three spots. I, you know, what do you do when Cooper Cup comes back? Is he going to take Puka's numbers? Do you play both of them? I I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do once. It's like every week I'm going to have to gauge: Do I want to start Cooper or do I want to start Puka? Because Amon Ra and JJ are obviously number one wide receivers on the Lions and Vikings, respectively. You can't why 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 would you start a number two receiver? As good as Puka might be, he's gonna get moved down and he's gonna lose targets because Cooper is going to be playing. I would I would honestly much rather Cooper come back and blow out his hamstring, you know, not I hate to say that about a guy, but I'm just saying I, I would rather only have one of them since I have both of them on my roster. I would hate to have them both play the rest of the year because, honestly, I'd probably be screwed. And if anything, maybe i trade one and get a running back. So, anyway. But, yeah, I stink in fantasy, so I don't want to talk too much about it. But CJ Shroud, Puka Nakua, great, great story so far. And finally, let's wrap up with this. Your Major League Baseball playoff schedule is set. Your matchups are set. In the National League, the Braves and the Dodgers are your one and two seeds. In the American League, the Orioles and the Astros are your numbers one and two seeds. So they draw by this week. The two American League wildcard matchups are the Rangers at Tampa Bay, Toronto at Minnesota, and the National League, Miami's at Philly, and Arizona's at Milwaukee. Remember, the home team in all four of those series gets three straight home games. Every series starts on Tuesday, and there is no break in between. It's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for all four matchups. And here's what I'll say about the Texas Rangers. And like I said, I'm recording this Sunday night. I haven't heard anybody bring this up yet. The Texas Rangers won in Seattle on Saturday night, and that clinched them a playoff spot. And it eliminated the Seattle Mariners in the process. So after the game, naturally, they were very excited. They popped champagne and they celebrated. However, it was a really weird situation. Like, yes, any team that clinches usually celebrates. But for the Rangers, here's what the problem was. The Rangers still had yesterday's game. And if the Rangers won yesterday's game, that means they won the AL West, which would mean they would get the two seed and they would be off for a week because the wild card matchups would be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. The ALDS and the NLDS don't start till next Saturday. So the Rangers had to win or the Houston Astros had to lose, and the Rangers were the AL West champions, meaning they were going to be the number two seed. 
because the three seed was Minnesota, and Minnesota didn't have a better record than the Rangers. So the Rangers were either getting the two seed, drawing a bye, and getting a week off, or they were going to end up as the five seed and have a new series start Tuesday in Tampa Bay. And the Rangers went out and lost one nothing and got four hits. I think it might start to be questioned out here, should this team have celebrated and popped champagne after Saturday night's win? There's nothing that says because they popped champagne and because they celebrated, that's why they lost one nothing and only had four hits yesterday. However, looking back on it, I don't think the optics of it were great. There's no proof whatsoever. You can't say because they celebrated, that's why they lost yesterday. But it is suspicious <laughs> because your work wasn't done. Because anytime two teams take the field in Major League Baseball, either team has the chance to win. The only way you could say for sure that the Rangers celebrating on Saturday night with champagne and who knows how long they stayed up and who knows who got drunk or whatever would be if they weren't able to field a team yesterday and they forfeited, which obviously was never going to happen in a million years. But that's the only way that I'm saying you could 100% say that's the reason why they lost. You can't, but when you get shut out one nothing and you give up and you only get four hits, I think something can be said for your mind was all about Saturday night and celebrating and clinching the fact that you made the playoffs. But now look at their road. If they would have won yesterday, they would have been the AL West champions and Houston would have had to go to Tampa Bay and play Tuesday, Wednesday, possibly Thursday while the Rangers sat at home for a week. And now the Rangers have to go from Seattle, travel all the way to Tampa Bay, play a three-game series. Let's just say the Rangers win that series, whether they win the first two games or they win in three games. Let's just say the Rangers get by and they beat the second-best team in the American League this year who had 99 wins, the Tampa Bay Rays. Let's say the Rangers win. Then they have to go up to Baltimore and play the one seed, the team with the most wins in the American League this year. And the first two games would be on the road. The Rangers finished this past week of baseball on the road in Anaheim and in Seattle. Then they got to go now to Tampa Bay. And if they win, they got to go to Baltimore for the first two games of that series, and then they come home. They will have been away from home for two straight weeks and traveled over 20,000 miles all because they couldn't win yesterday. It was such, it's like you get the highest of highs. This is a team that's been horseshit since 2016. Hadn't made the playoffs since 2016. Hadn't had a winning record since 2016. They've been a terrible, terrible franchise since they last made the playoffs. So I understand the excitement of clinching a playoff berth. And after Saturday's win over Seattle, they got that. But man, I don't know if I would have celebrated like they did. I would have been like, hey, good job, guys, but we have to win Sunday. We don't want to have to go on the road to the team that won 99 games and is the second-best team in the American League this year for a three-game series when we could literally get a week off, and now that's what they have to do. So I wouldn't have done it, but that's just me. I'm just a guy with a microphone in front of his face saying this is what I believe. I'm sure every single Ranger player will say it didn't play a role whatsoever. It did not matter. We knew we had to win on Sunday. They played all their starters. They knew they had to win. 
But looking back on it now, and hindsight is twenty twenty, when you get blanked and you get four hits, I think it played a role. I think it did. That's just my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. Thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also, rate and review if you can. Uh, I will be the Sports Daily, or excuse me, um, the um, my Daily Roundup is up if you want to check that out. Anyway, I'll be back n- tomorrow with yet another Sports Daily. So, again, thank you all for listening. I really ple- appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you! Let's go there.